uh, in this month, in the month of June, are doing a series called 100 Seconds to Midnight. Uh, the Doomsday Clock, which is set by a, a group of atomic scientists now and other scientists, uh, they count down how close we are to midnight. And midnight stands for either the destruction from mankind, mankind from planet Earth or, or annihilation of most of mankind from planet Earth. And uh, they believe we're never closer than we are right now to seeing midnight hit and, and destruction come. And they base that on science. They base that on what they see going on. But here's what's incredible. The Bible agrees, but the Bible said it first. The Bible says we're that close to the end too. And so we're living in times where we need to observe the signs of our times. Uh, and we need to, to wake up. We need to be aware that things are happening right now before your eyes that Jesus said would happen, that the Bible told us would occur right before the beginning of the end and the end. Now, years ago, there was a movie made called The Seventh Sign. Uh, not a very good movie, by the way, but there was something intriguing in it. Uh, in the movie, what happened is, is Jesus would begin to break seals and, and, and open up the next sign and the next sign and the next sign, counting down to the end. And in the movie, there was a last Christian to die. And when that believer died, it was over. And they show us who he is. They show us what he'd done. They count down to that moment. And uh, in the movie, the signs are happening all around everybody, but very few people are noticing it. Uh, there's a scene in the movie I won't ever forget where a husband and wife are talking. She's pregnant. And on the news screen, uh, while they're talking, right there on their TV, there's, the news is on. And, and they report that water is turning to blood. They report the devastation of, of um, a fish in the sea. They report other catastrophic cosmic events. And, and they're just talking away, not even catching the signs of the times. I think that's happening right now. I think a lot of people are not opening their eyes to the Bible telling us that the coronavirus is one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. It doesn't name the coronavirus, but it does name a global pandemic and other pandemics to come. Uh, the racial unrest we see before our eyes is one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. And it's not affecting just the United States. The world's in turmoil right now. And, and so what I want to tell you we're going to do is we're going to look at that sign that begins all signs. The sign, more than any other, that is the sign that pushed the button that started the countdown to the coming of Jesus Christ. Tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about. Next week, we're going to talk about the signs that have happened since that sign, the ones that are occurring right now, and what's coming next. Uh, so that's what we're going to get into next week. But we need to understand there's one sign that Jesus said that ought to cause you more than ever to wake up, to look up, and to be ready because we are in the midst of it happening. And that sign occurred. That sign was miraculous. That, that, that sign was awe-inspiring. And that sign even now affects life on planet Earth. And it's the sign that began all signs. So I want you to be thinking about that. But what happened is we need to see that Jesus said that event was the one that would actually trigger something that would be called the last generation sign. Uh, Jesus talks about a fig tree. And he said, when you behold the fig tree and you see what's happening with the fig tree, that will tell you the times you're living in. Listen to what Jesus said uh, in Luke 21, verse 29, where he says these words. Then Jesus told them a parable saying, behold the fig tree and all the trees. 
as soon as they put forth their leaves, you see it and you know yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, and he's talking about these things are the signs that he had just told him. When you see those signs happening, he says, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Truly, I say to you, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. So what is the sign that would begin them all? What is the sign that would say we're in the last generation uh, of mankind? And by the way, how long is a generation? Well, the Bible actually tells us how long a generation is. And we go to the book of Genesis to find out the answer to that. We go all the way back to a man named Abraham, who was a father of faith. Uh, who is revered by Christians, by Jews, and even by the Islamic people, but for his faith in God. And God had told him that his descendants would go into the land of Egypt. And he said, they, they will labor there 400 years. They'll be enslaved for 400 years. And then when they come out, uh, I'm going to do so miraculously. So God was telling him a prophecy, but in the midst of it, he tells him how long a generation is. So listen to what it says in Genesis 15, verse 13. It says, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried in a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. So he says they'll be there 400 years. And he said, they'll come out in the fourth generation. How long is a hundred year? How long is a generation? A generation's 100 years. And so Jesus says this, there's a sign that begins all signs. And before 100 years ends, before that generation's done, then the end will come. Now it doesn't have to go the entire 100 years. It says it has to be in 100 years or less. So we are going to ask tonight, what is that sign that was the click that started all signs into being? And so what is the sign that begins all signs? So now we're going to go back to the time of Christ. Jesus is alive. Jesus is walking the earth, doing incredible ministry. He's gathered followers, and, and he's moving towards a point where he'll die in the city of Jerusalem for all of our sins. By the way, why did he die? He died so you and I could be forgiven. He died so his blood being shed would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He died so you and I would know he is so committed to you and me that he calls for you and I to be that committed to him. By the way, at the end of our time together, I'm going to give an invitation where I invite anybody who's not walking with Jesus, not living with Jesus, not committed to Jesus, to live life with Jesus in an incredible way, to, to be forgiven of all your sins, to know his love, to know his plan for your life, to have his help, to have him now begin to guide you and lift any weight you're carrying off you to free you from anything that's harming you. And at the end of this time, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me where you can commit your life to him because he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. But I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you tonight, when you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you can do this right now. And maybe later in the message, you're gonna go, you know what, this is it. I know this is true. If you are gonna pray that prayer with me at the end, go ahead and text ahead of time, amen, 
amen to 69922. So I want you to text amen to 69922. And I'll be reminding you of that. But when you text amen, you know what you're saying truly. Just like Jesus said, truly this generation will not pass away. That's the word amen. This generation will not pass away. And I want you to know, now is the time for many of you to say yes to Jesus and give your life to Jesus Christ. So Jesus, though, was standing in front of the temple. And the apostles are looking at the huge stones were there. The stones that are on the temple area on Temple Mount are magnificent. But the stones inside were even more incredible, especially on the temple itself. And they were covered in gold. Uh, it was one of the most incredible buildings ever built. And, and so Jesus is standing there and he looks over and he sees a woman taking two copper coins and dropping them into the offering. And Jesus noticed it. Jesus saw it. She wasn't rich. She wasn't influential by the world's standards, but she gave everything she had to the poor because she trusted in God. And that's what she was doing in that moment. She was giving to God so people could be taken care of. And, and so Jesus looked over and he saw that and, and he turns to talk to the apostles about it, but they don't see this woman. They just see the magnificent stones and all the gold. And in Luke 21, five, Jesus says this, while some of them were talking about the temple it was and how that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, as for these things that you're looking at, the days will come in which there will not be one stone left upon another, which will not be torn down. And then they questioned him saying, teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So they ask him this question. And they said, when is this going to happen? When will the temple be destroyed? Because we thought you're coming, you being the Messiah, it would never be destroyed. And Jesus said, no, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be torn down. Now, by the way, another temple will be rebuilt in this place in the last days. We're waiting for that. But they begin to wonder what's going on. They begin to wonder, how could this be? And, and then if that's the case, is this the sign of the end? By the way, in Matthew 24, 3, they actually ask this question. They say, what is the sign of your coming at the end of the age. So they're asking two questions. When will the temple be torn down and not one stone left upon another? And what are the signs of your coming at the end of the age? And so in Matthew 24, we get the signs of the coming at the end of the age. In Mark 13, we get the signs of the coming at the end of the age. By the way, in Revelation, we do too. And in Luke 21, Jesus gives us the answer to both questions. Now, this is important, so I know it's a little bit complicated. They ask two separate questions that don't really go together. One is, when's the sign of the destruction of the temple? The other, what is the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus is going to give the answer, and Luke gives us both answers. So what does he do? In Luke 21, verse 8, it picks up and says, See to it, and he's talking about the last days. So this applies to us, this applies to you and me. See to it that you are not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. So there'll be false Christ, people saying that they're the ones God sent. And by the way, Sun Young Moon and uh, even Charles Manson uh, claim to be the Messiah. And so there have always been false Christ. Then in verse 9, it says, When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified. For these things must take place, but the end does not follow immediately. So you hear about wars and rumors of wars. Then he says in verse 10, 
Then he continues saying to them, nation will rise against nation. And that's what we talked about last week. The word nation actually means ethnic group because the word nation in the Greek and the New Testament's written in Greek is the word ta ethne. So nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues. And that's where the coronavirus and other viruses fit in and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs in the sky. But before all these things, now this is where now we're going to shift gears. Jesus started telling him, here's all these signs that will take place before I, I come again, before my return, that shows we're in the last days. He goes, but before any of those signs happen, before any of those things take place, he says, they will lay their hands on you and you will be persecuted delivering you up to the synagogue and the prisons, bringing you before kings and governors before my, for my sake. By the way, what Jesus was telling them is before all these things take place, what happens in the book of Acts is going to happen. And if you read this verse and then go to the book of Acts, you'll see he was describing that. All the things the apostles would do, all the things another man named Paul who would become apostle would do. But the before all these things is Jesus saying, this is what's going to happen in your immediate future. But I want to tell you then something's going to happen in the, a little bit distant future. That the Romans are going to lay siege to Jerusalem. They're going to attack Jerusalem. They're going to hem it in. They're going to take it. And then they're going to destroy most of the old Jerusalem and they're going to destroy the temple, tearing it down so not one stone is left upon another. And Jesus now, we're going to skip to verse 20, is where he talks about that. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city because... These are the days of vengeance so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. By the way, if any of you are taking notes, write down Deuteronomy 28 and 29, because that's where the days of vengeance were talked about. That's what Jesus is referring to when the city would be taken and the suffering would happen. And it happened just like it said in Deuteronomy. And Jesus said, woe to those who are pregnant. And those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people, the Jewish people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles. The word Gentiles means non-Jewish people until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, don't miss this. That is the sign that begins all signs that Jerusalem would be in non-Jewish hands. And that time is called the time of the Gentiles. So from the time that Jerusalem falls and it's no longer in Jewish hands and all the people are exiled out of the land, scattered throughout the earth, the Jewish people, until they return to become a nation again and Jerusalem is now back in their hands, Jesus said, that's the sign that begins all signs. That's the one I want you to look for. And by the way, for some people who say, well, these things have always been happening. No, there's not always been a nation of Israel again. The nation of Israel is the only nation to go out of existence and return. And they did it not once, but they did it twice. And Jesus said they'll only do it twice. The second time is the last time. And so Jesus said, when Jerusalem's destroyed by the Romans, the temple's torn down, not one stone left upon another, 
and the people are scattered throughout the earth to return again one day and take Jerusalem as theirs, that is the sign that begins the sign of the last generation on, on earth. So Jesus points to that. So the time of the Gentiles, meaning the, the non-Jewish people owning the city of Jerusalem, is what we want to look for. And then what he says is when that takes place and they get Jerusalem back, that begins all of the other signs occurring. So the first sign is that Israel is going to become a nation and Jerusalem will be back in the hands of the Jews. Uh, by the way, in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21, uh, in Revelation, we're given signs that we can see uh, that will follow that sign. And so Jesus Jesus said, I want you to be aware of that. And he's telling them the temple will be destroyed and there will be a time of wandering all around the earth. Um, the book of Daniel gives 77 year periods or 70 weeks of years. A week is a seven, uh, either seven day period or seven year period. And it says 70 weeks are important. The first 69 seven-year periods or weeks would point to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, that he would come and die for our sins, and he did. Then there would be a gap, and that gap is the time of the Gentiles till the 70th week occurs. And the 70th week occurs, the last seven years of the world's existence, when what happens is the Jerusalem, Jerusalem is given back to the Jews and the temple is built. So we're watching all these things take place. And in Luke 21, 24, it says this, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Jesus would die in 33 AD. Then uh, in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus, actually the emperor Titus would come and he would march on Jerusalem, and he would lay siege to the city, and he would hem them in. He would begin to starve them out, wanting them to surrender, but they wouldn't surrender. Then the Romans got word that people in the city were eating their own children. Now, by the way, in Deuteronomy 28, it says that's one of the things that would happen. It was prophesied, and it did. A historian named Josephus actually names a woman who ate her own child just like the Bible prophesied. And when that happened, Titus thought no more, and he began to, to move harder to take the city. When they did finally break through, uh, a carnage happened that created a chaos that you couldn't believe, and it got out of control. And people were being killed and destroyed, and people ran for safety to hide in the temple. And the Romans surrounded the temple and they decided to burn everybody out. And so they put wood, as much wood as they could. And when they lit it on fire, the flames went far hotter than they can they imagine. And everybody inside died. But the flames got so hot that the gold that was on the temple began to melt, going into the crevices of the stones. And so once it had cooled down, the soldiers began to, to take the gold, which they were allowed to do as a part of a, their salary. They were allowed to take whatever they could find. And, and they began to, to cut the gold out of the creases in the rocks. And, and that wasn't good enough. So they began to tear the stones down and tear the stones down and throw them over the sides of the walls and, and the, in the midst of wanting the gold so badly. And by the time they were done, most everybody was dead that was in that. Jerusalem city, and uh, the temple was completely destroyed, just like Jesus said. 
not one stone left upon another. Then the Romans decided to exile the Jewish people from their land, just like Jesus said. And they were scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. And for thousands of years, they began to be scattered throughout the world. And uh, you probably know that there was not a nation of Israel. And so what happened is the Jewish people after the Holocaust thought we want to go home to our land, our promised land. And it began a, a Zionist movement that caused them to, to do whatever they could to go back to their land. Now, you need to know that most of the nations of the world tried to stop the Jewish people from returning to their land. And it created a, an issue with the Palestinian people that had lived there now for almost 1,900 years. And so what happened is they began to flood in and flood in and flood in. And they took their land back. Then in May of 1948, the United Nations declared Israel a nation again. But they didn't own Jerusalem. And then what happened was the miracle. The nation that didn't exist now existed again. And not only did Jesus say that would happen, but a prophet named Ezekiel said it would happen. And, and he was shown a vision of a time when the Jewish people looked like they would be no more. <clears throat> he was shown a vision that's called the vision in the valley of vision and a valley of dry bones where they would be nothing but skeletons going out of existence. But he was given a sign they would return and it would be back in their own land. And by the way, Ezekiel was also told when they're back in their own land, that's the beginning of the last days of planet earth. In Ezekiel 37, 11, look what it says. <clears throat> it says, son of man, these bones, and he saw a whole valley of bones. He says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is perished and we are completely cut off. And, and by the way, at the Holocaust, when the Holocaust happened, a lot of Jewish people thought that's it, we'll never exist again. We were barely hanging on, we'll never exist again. Our hope's cut off. And God told Ezekiel, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord your God, I will open the graves and cause you to come up out of the graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves and my, and my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I've spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So the Lord says this, Ezekiel, one day they're going to go out of existence and come become a nation again. Jesus said, one day you're going to be scattered throughout the earth and become a nation again. And, and we see in the book of Revelation the same promise of them returning to be a nation again. And when they return, Ezekiel tells us, when they return, Jesus tells us, when they return, Daniel tells us, by the way, that that's the beginning of the end. And it's the sign to begin all signs. Uh, in Joel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, don't miss the and Jerusalem part, because that's what Jesus said. When you see the Jewish people back in their land, and when you see them take possession of Jerusalem, he said, that's the end of the time of the Gentiles. That's the beginning of the signs of my return. That's the beginning of the countdown to the, uh, that ends the last days. And it says in verse 2, 
when you see the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem return, verse 2, I will gather all the nations and bring them, valley to, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And by the way, the word Jehoshaphat means judgment. I will bring them down to the valley of judgment. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people, my inheritance, Israel, whom they scattered among the nations, and they divided up my land. Now, while I want you to know that God loves the Palestinian people, there's no doubt about that. God has always said that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. And God said, when you scattered them, every nation on earth that was a part of that, you sinned and you'll be judged for it. Uh, God says, when you divided up my land, and by the way, the land was divided till the Jewish people got it back. Uh, he said, I want you to know that that is a sign that not only I'm going to come one day, Jesus said, but I'm going to judge the earth for what they did. And he said, they're all going to be brought together into a place called the Valley of Judgment. Now, we have another name for that valley. We call it Armageddon, the Valley of Armageddon. And so the Lord says, you know, we're in a countdown to the very last battle that mankind will ever have in the Valley of Armageddon. By the way, the first recorded war in history happened in the Valley of Armageddon, and the last recorded war in history will happen there. And the sign that we're in the countdown towards that time, towards that 100 seconds to midnight, is when Israel's a nation and they own Jerusalem again. Joel prophesied it would happen. Jesus said it would happen. And it's a miracle it happened. In 1948, the improbable happened. Uh, maybe the impossible happened. Israel became a nation. In 1967, the Six-Day War began. Israel was under attack by five different nations. Five different nations decided they would wipe Israel off the face of the earth, never to exist again. Uh, they were outgunned. They were outmanned. Uh, their air force wasn't as big and strong. Uh, and it looked like for sure they were going to lose. But what happened is they began the war. And they began to win victory after victory after victory. And, and a, a general in the Israeli army named Moshe Dayan uh, decided to do something that no one saw coming. Uh, in the midst of the battle where they were fighting all these nations that were around them, Moshe Dayan ordered his troops to turn and go away from the battles into the city of Jerusalem to take it. Uh, they, the city uh, fought initially. They tried to resist, but the forces of Israel were uh, surprising them and overwhelming them, and they took back the city of Jerusalem, and they took back Temple Mount. And when they took back Temple Mount in June of 1967, the head rabbi went up close to Temple Mount and blew a shofar and said, in this generation, we will rebuild the temple, never to give it up again. And in that moment, when they blew the shofar, the sign occurred. Israel was a nation. Jerusalem was back in the hands of the Jews. And anybody who had a Bible could look and say, it happened. The sign to begin all signs. The sign that occurred that changed everything. And another prophet in the Bible named Zechariah said, when that day comes, the whole world will keep its eyes on Jerusalem. And by the way, whether you know it or not, even we do. Uh, every U.S. president has tried to be a part of brokering peace in the Middle East. And it all has to do with the city of Jerusalem and Temple Mount. 
Uh, the leaders of Europe try to broker peace, and it all has to do with the city of Jerusalem and Temple Mount. And in the last days, there will come a leader who will bring about a peace treaty. Daniel tells us this in Daniel chapter 9. And, and when he brings it about, he will allow, that peace treaty will allow peace in the Middle East and the rebuilding of the temple and the last seven years of the earth's existence. Uh, in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, the burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And he had looked into the future at a time Israel would become a nation again and they would own Jerusalem. And he says, thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be a sign again or also be against Judah. And it will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will severely be injured and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. And that, by the way, is also a reference to the battle of Armageddon. So God is clear here. When you see that Jerusalem is back in the hands of the Jews, the countdown's begun. When you see all the nations of the earth focused on Jerusalem, and especially Temple Mount, which they are, by the way. Because even now, there's tension over that particular spot. There, that right there could set off the last war that anybody would ever fight, uh, that Temple Mount area. And we're living in that day, and we're living in that time. So in 1967, I believe the countdown began. In 1967, the last generation has been designated the last 100 years on planet Earth, but not a full 100 years, by the way. It could happen any time before that. In 1967, miracle happened. Prophecy was fulfilled. And you and I, all we have to do is look at a map and see it happen. Go to an encyclopedia or Wikipedia and read about it occurring. And by the way, it's not old news. It's the news that began all the other news that would come. And so I, I as a Christian, I as a man who have studied God's word, especially when it comes to prophecy, I, I used to tell everybody, that's it, it's begun. And, and years ago, when I was a pastor in the 80s and a pastor in the 90s and a pastor even in the early 2000s, I said this, I said, you need to know a global pandemic's coming. Uh, there will be some that will come ahead of it, but I want you to know it's coming. And, and when it comes, it will come at a time there'll be racial unrest in the world. When it comes, we're going to be this close from nuclear exchange happening between superpowers on planet Earth. When it comes, we're going to be this close to having a one world economy that will be cashless and that people can't buy or sell without something on their right hand or forehead. Uh, when it comes, the world is going to look for a leader to somehow bring us peace and to get us out of the incredible economic downfall we're experiencing. And right now, I watch it. Right now, I see it. And by the way, if you're brand new to all this and you're saying, it, this almost sounds fanatical, it's not. I want you to know it's not. Jesus gave us the signs so we could be ready. Jesus gave us the signs so we could be prepared. In church, I don't want you to miss this. 
one of the signs is there would be a last person reached before the coming of the Lord. And there'd be a last Christian to die. I think it's interesting that when the coronavirus hit, the gospel has gone out into all the world like it never has before. We're reaching more people as crossroads, but the church worldwide is reaching more people. And we're, we're going into every nation on earth. We're going after every people group that exists. And we're living in a time when all the signs are being fulfilled. Many are happening before our eyes. Here's my question. Jesus, who told you this was going to come, also told you this. He told you that he loves you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus told us to make sure we're right with him in these last days. Jesus told us when we see these things happen, look up. And when you do, you'll see there's a God there who not only has told you this, but he loves you. And right now, some of you need to say yes to God. Right now, some of you need to be ready to commit your life to him. Right now, some of you have already started texting in, amen. And I, I thank you so much for doing that so that we, so that we could be with you, so we could connect with you, so we can make sure you're strong in Jesus and growing. So you could be a part of our Crossroads family, but most of all, a part of, the, of being a child of God and, and knowing him. So in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. You either can commit your life to Christ or recommit. Some of you right now, you've never said yes to Jesus and really meant it. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer where you say to Jesus, I want your love. I want your forgiveness. I want to open my heart to you. I want to be yours. And the Bible teaches this. Jesus said it. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you open up to me, I'm going to come. And you're going to find that Jesus is real. You're going to find his love is true. You're going to find that he gives you the Holy Spirit and power. Right now, in this time, why wait? Say yes to him. No one loves you more than Jesus. No one ever has loved you more than that. He died for you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He wants you free from anything that would hurt you. So if you've never said yes to Jesus right now, pray this prayer with me when I pray it and say yes to him. But also, again, I want to say this. Go ahead and text in. Amen, which means the truth, to 69922. And, and then some of you need to recommit your lives to the Lord. You know, at one time you were on fire for the Lord, but something, something separated you so that you know you're not close to Jesus like you used to be. All he wants you to do is pray a prayer so you can come back. You don't need to earn it. He couldn't love you more than he does. By the way, I want to say this, and maybe you've done some things you can't believe or thought some things you can't believe or got caught up in some things you can't believe you ever thought you would. Jesus not only loves you, he can set you free. He came that he might proclaim liberty to captives. And maybe you're captive to something. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's prescription narcotics. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe, actually, right now there's somebody, you're in a relationship and you feel trapped. And you're afraid. And it all, all begins, the freedom begins by coming to him and letting us know so we can help you. And don't wait. Don't wait. Start by praying that prayer. Text us and let us know. And, and we, we're going to be there for you and we can help give answers. But most of all, Jesus can give you the strength. So someone right now, you're feeling trapped where you are. And, and this is the time for you to do this. This is the time for you to get free. There's a, a person out there right now, too, I believe this. I think that, that last week and this week, you, you've heard both messages. You're, you're feeling afraid. You're feeling like, man, I don't know if I want to hear anything else. 
but yet you know it's true. So don't run from the truth. Commit your life to Christ right now. Do it. There's, there's a person out there right now, I also believe, who you, you know what you've done is you've been arguing with people and, and you already know you're wrong. Now think about it because I, I want to try to get a little more specific. You know you're wrong and yet you haven't been willing to admit you're wrong and it kills you to think that. But you know what? It's time to lay down the pride and time to, to come to Jesus and, and open up and, and go to the people and say, hey, let's start over and, and I'm going I'm to be new. I'm going to be different and let them forgive you. So right now, there's some people out there. Jesus wants you to make this decision. And so I'm about to lead that prayer. Let me right now start, though, by praying for you before I lead you in the prayer. And while I'm praying, if you're ready to pray the prayer with me, text in. Amen. But, but do that. But, but let's, let me pray for you. Father, I, I know right now there's some people who are afraid. One's afraid to admit they're wrong. One's afraid because of the, the fact they feel trapped. And this is their moment. This is the time to to pray this prayer and text in and feel the difference. Experience your love. So I pray right now for them. I pray for anybody who needs to come to you to come to know you for the first time. I pray for people who need to open their hearts to you to come back to you. I pray right now for a young guy out there who uh, at one time was walking with the Lord and now he's not. And his mom has been praying and praying for him and he knows it. He knows she's for him and he knows she's right. I pray he's going to pray this prayer and text in and, and, and he's going to see the change come. I pray for some couples that need to grab hands right now. Uh, they need to come together. They need to get their marriage right and their family centered on you, Lord. And uh, I pray they're going to pray this prayer and come. I pray for a couple that was talking about having a child, but something's hit them hard and, and they're scared. And I pray they're going to pray this prayer and find your comfort in the moment they need it. So Lord, I pray that. I pray that for them. Right now, if you love the Lord, pray for people to say yes. But I'm going to lead this prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Uh, something happens when you pray the prayer. So say these words. Say, Lord Jesus. I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me down or holding me back. I pray you'll free me from anything that's hurting me or got a hold of me. I pray right now you'll make me new. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me yours. So I say yes to you. And, and if you haven't said anything else, I, I know that I say this every time, but I want to say it. If you haven't said anything else, say, I say yes. Just actually say it. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name, amen. And amen means the truth. Amen means for real. And we praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Man, praise God. So I want to tell you, praying the prayer matters. But something happens. It goes deeper. Something takes over that's more profound when you make it known. So I again, 
do this because we care about you. Do this because it will make your conviction and your and this more meaningful. Text in, well, either on your computer, your iPad somehow, text in amen to 69922. To amen to 69922. And all of you have already texted in, praise God for you and everybody else who still needs to do it. And I tell you, something's going to happen when you do. But make sure and get back to us. We're going to get in contact with you. We want you to get back to us because we want to help you grow in Christ. You can trust us and, and you can trust us to help. And so we want to make sure uh, that you start finding the best God has for you. Now, before we go, uh, we're in a season called Boldly Blessed. And we're asking everybody out there, to uh, give $1 more than you normally give. And then we're going to figure out how much that was. We have a way to analyze that. And we take that amount of money and we go out and change someone's life. Uh, we just pray that God will show us who it is. And he always does. So maybe you know, give anything. Hey, you know what? Text in a dollar. Uh, text to give to 69922. We'll get back to you. Just text a dollar. And, and whatever you give, give a dollar more than you normally do. And then we're going to go change someone's life. And so we're going to do this through the month of June. But I want to tell you what we did this week. Uh, our church family has a couple in it that we love. Um, Lonnie and Linda uh, are people we care about. Uh, they are the incredible servants. Uh, Linda's health's never been good, but she's always been here. And they help uh, in our greeting ministry. Uh, they help in communion. Uh, they help in JHM, our junior high ministry. They help in high school. They help in our college ministry. And you know what? I, they're just giving, loving, caring people. And as weak as Linda was, she was always loving on people. I, I'll tell you what it was like for me to watch when I was at a high school service recently and our high school kids running up and hugging her like being a, a grandma to them. And uh, recently, um, Linda went to be with the Lord. Now, Lonnie, her husband, is so on fire for God and yet he loved her so much, but he's just saying she's in heaven, she's in heaven, and he knows she's better, he knows she's okay. But you know what? We didn't want the, the funeral costs hanging over Lonnie's head. And so Crossroads are boldly blessed as we paid for that service. We paid for that special moment Lonnie could have. So he doesn't have to worry about finances. He can, he can embrace the fact that he's, he's saying goodbye to his wife until he meets her again in heaven. And, and he knows his church family is with him. And you did it and I did it. And, and I think that matters. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's something that we wanted to do and, and something we know is meaningful. And, and so we did that for Lonnie. And we did that, by the way, for Linda too. We also were able this week, uh, we discovered a grandma who had taken in her three grandchildren uh, during this crisis. And uh, the grandkids were living on the streets. And so what happened is she took them in, but she needed help. So guess what? We got the kids bicycles. We got the kids iPads. We made sure they have internet and Wi-Fi in their home. We got them a printer. So now they'll be able to do schoolwork. We got all their essential clothing and items so they could be set up. And that, that grandma could have our support in caring for grandchildren. So this is very boldly blessed. And thank you for doing it. Thank you for being a part of it. And if you haven't had a chance to jump in, do that next week and the week after. We're going to do some powerful boldly blessed moments. And we're all going to do this together. So till we meet again, may, may God be with you. But I'm now going to throw it to Joey and Casey for our closing. Well, congratulations to all of you who made a decision to follow Jesus or be baptized today. And if you did text us to make that decision, be sure to reply with your name so we can send you a gift. I also want to invite you to gather your friends and family to be a part of our family by joining us here online next week. 
We're live Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button or you'll so you'll never miss a new message. That's right, and if you found yourself thinking, I wish so-and-so was watching this right now, then hit that share button and send it to them so they can be encouraged too. And finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and you want to be a part of making an impact all over the world, you can text GIVING to 69922 to make a financial gift today. Well, thanks again for watching. We'll see you again next week.